0: Hey guys, welcome back to Not Your Average BS, where we talk about what
1: everybody else is thinking. I'm Brendy, and I'm Shannon. What's up, you all? Happy Tuesday, now that you're listening to this. We opted to push this week's episode to Tuesday just because we really wanted to have this important conversation with Monty, and we're so glad that we waited because, honestly, this entire episode was just so fueled off of Monty's passion, um, talking about allyship, talking about Black rights, talking talking about LGBTQ plus rights, and we really don't want to spend that much time in this introduction because... This is probably one of our best episodes to date, in our opinion. So, Brandy, did you have anything to add? Because honestly, if we want to wrap it up and get right into today's episode, I am perfectly fine with that.
0: Just wanted to tell you guys a little bit about Monty before we jump in. So she oh, no. is, <laughs> so she is um, a champion for social justice, inclusivity, and allyship for the LGBTQ plus community. She is the host of the Comfortably Excluded podcast, an aspiring filmmaker and freelance writer, and she is very passionate about carving out spaces for POC. So I think you guys will really enjoy today's conversation, and without further ado, let's jump in. So Shannon and I are so excited today to have Monty on the podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yay, I'm pretty excited to be here. (laughs) Yes. So typically with our episodes, we have an appetizer at the beginning. That's an app or resource or website that you've really been loving lately. So do you have an appetizer for us today? Oh my gosh. Okay, so I don't really have an appetizer for like everyone, but I just
2: want to say I just moved into this new building and this whole gate system that is set up through this app to so where I don't have to even keep my keys on me anymore to get access into. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's all ran through an app and my old lady ass is, oh, sorry. Can I curse on this? Is that okay? Yes. Oh,
0: yes. <laughs> sorry.
2: <laughs> Just want to check, probably should have checked that before we started recording, but um. yeah, like, my old lady ass is just very happy with this this whole app situation I have. I don't even have to, like, use a call button or, like, run down to let friends in. They literally text me and say, I'm here. And I just go to my app, and I swipe open gate and open door. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Sorry it's not for everyone, but, I mean, it's been giving me <laughs> a lot of joy.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, is that – um is that something that's like run through your apartment building or like you just found that on your own and it is like compatible with where you live? I feel it's, it was given to me through my apartment building. Um, but to set up the
2: account, I had to like, tell them like, you know, what company my building was under and all that. So I'm, I'm, this app I'm pretty sure is like probably around a lot of places. It's, it's called like butterfly MX or something like that. Um, but it's it's a pretty dope app. If it is available it in your apartment building or wherever you are, like lifesaver, especially if you out drinking, chad. My goodness. <laughs> Trying to find them food. Trying to find them keys afterwards. My God. So
1: it's it's a hassle. It's definitely yeah. a hassle. Well, we will leave that um below because we do have a lot of our like listeners who live in apartments not only around Charlotte, but just around like Pretty much the southeast, essentially, and you know a few across the country as well. So we'll leave that below, so people can see if they it is it is compatible with their um, with their building. But that definitely sounds interesting. Yeah. I would. That's yeah. it's nice to have stuff like all in like one place. I feel like you know yes. just being able to like. Just click like open because you have like your mailbox key, then you have your apartment Mm -hmm. key, then you have to remember your gate code. I feel like living in an apartment is so much more than just like being able to like enter your gate and live into like your little fantasy world. It's like 700 different keys to Mm -hmm. remember and you have to like keep track of everything. So that must be like a nice little one-stop shop for um, definitely getting into your apartment building. All right. Well, moving on, we really wanted to jump into today's episode and learn more about you know who you are, your podcast and everything. So we like to start all of our guest episodes out by basically asking pretty much a, a loaded question, which is, who is Monty? Um, tell us what makes you you, maybe what you're working on, um, dreams, what you currently do, all of that good stuff. So who is Monty Taj?
2: Oh, my gosh, that is that question. My God is one of the worst questions ever that everyone asks. And I love to I love asking that question as well. Um, No one ever has an answer. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'd say (laughs) that I am still figuring out who Monty Taj is, really. Um, life is just this ongoing journey. So every time I actually think I figured out like, oh yeah, this is me. This is the groove I'm in. Like I come into this, this space of growth and I learn something completely new about myself. Um, but overall I would say that I am someone who is, I, Monty Taj is constantly hungry for knowledge. <laughs> I mean, understanding, um, resources, um, uplifting, uh, communities. I am just, I'm a platform. I'm a beacon. If, if you will, of just any kind of source or resource I can be to humanity is one thing that I I am. And I'm also a shoe addict. Um, and I love a good (laughs) wig. I love a good wig as well. So those are also some things about Monty Tosh. Levels. She has levels. She has levels. (laughs) Very complex. (laughs) <laughs> She's um, complex.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. So, I was reading a little bit about you on your website and I saw that you're originally from the DMV. I'm actually I am too. I'm from Maryland originally. Yeah. Um yeah. Yes. So I was going to ask, how did you end up going from the DMV to Houston to where you are now in Denver? And have you noticed any differences in diversity or culture? I mean, I feel like those cities all have kind of their own unique flair. So what have you noticed in being in those different areas? Absolutely. So I um, I was born and raised
2: in Richmond, Virginia. Um, RVA, hey, um, we're getting pretty radical on the on the interwebs these days, as you can see. I mean, I've we've I mean, being from the capital of the South, it, it's it's definitely, gosh, it's just it's a mixed bag. There's a lot of beauty and culture there um, from from the black community and everything, but there's also a lot of hardship um, and a lot of pain that we face that we we look at that we would look at on a daily basis i mean like when i explain to people here in colorado about oh yeah you know like the statues that they're talking about they're taking down you know statues um in your hometown and i'm like yeah and i'm like it's just crazy thinking about it because i have to explain to them these are not like your average statues like these things are on huge pedestals like the pedestal the pedestals alone of these statues are like a good Ten feet, like huge. And then there's this massive statue. and we're talking about rows of them lining up um down these areas of this city. All of the the schools that are in the um the predominantly black neighborhoods are named after Confederate soldiers. Um, so like there has been just a lot of 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 beautiful destruction that's been happening in my hometown right now. So I just want to give a good good old shout out to Richmond, Virginia um for just really. Like, just sticking to the, the the rhetoric of, we are tired of being reminded of this nonsense. Like, give it up. You lost. Move on. Um, <clears throat> I've always been nomadic to, that, to being that point. I've always been nomadic. I moved around a lot. Um, I spent a, a decent amount of time I, in, in Houston after graduating um, from college and failing at trying to live in New York. <laughs> Chad honey do not try if you are broke broke stay your ass at home wherever you <laughs> at stay. don't that's okay new york will wait you can wait new york will be there Take your time. Um, <laughs> um but I, I ended up coming you know ended up in 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 houston texas god knows all the cities in between that um but but spend a lot of time there and man first off I had no idea what the hell Texas really was, as far as like what it really was like, past like stereotypes that we see on like television and we hear growing up. Um, so to go to Houston and to just be mind blo- like to be blown with with facts on my like while I'm leaving the airport to my new residence and I'm like getting blown with facts in my Uber ride. Of, you know, this guy telling me, oh, yeah, you know, third largest city in, in America and in the U.S. And I'm like, hold up. Whoa. Pause. Houston, Texas, you know, 80 mile radius. So diverse. I mean, the diversity there is so explosive. It's so present. It's so in your face. Um, I love that about Houston. I love how everyone is so prideful in their culture, in who they are. And it, they never, you never hear about, and I, I'm, I'm just, I'm still amazed about how much, how much experience of all these different flavors of people, even these different brands of black that were just beautiful in this huge, this huge city that we don't really hear about. Cause we're always so jaded with the ignorant, dumb stuff that white Republicans are doing down there. You know what I'm saying? Or billionaires, you know? So we don't, so it was beautiful to be able to literally know nothing about this city and to see how very diverse and still very cohesive it is. Um, I thought that was beautiful. I ended up moving to Denver, Colorado after that. Um, I always visited Denver, Colorado. I always thought it was beautiful. I am from Richmond, Virginia, which a lot of people don't realize Virginia also has a lot of beautiful scenery and, and nature aspects. So, you know, we definitely always had grew up with nature. So I always said that at some point in my life, I would live um, in Colorado and just really take in as much nature as I could at, at just in that point. And the opportunity came, nothing really special. Like I know a lot of people wants me want me to have like this epiphany of how I ended up in Denver. And it really wasn't. It was just another random move in my life that I that I actually really wanted. Um can't even say I was really prepared for the move. I am now and I and I actually am growing to really love being in this city because when I first got here it was very whoo y'all it was hard. It was hard. Um it's as you could imagine it's extremely white. It's very white. And not only is it very white but it's 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 it's, I don't even know how to explain the white, even, even, even white people that I know from the East coast who have come to visit and for a period of time, it's just like, yo, I don't know these type of white people. Like it's a whole different, it's a a different breed of white. Like it's, it's a little, it's a little strange and it's not bad and it's not good. It's just, and I guess because coming from the East coast and even living, you know, in the South and even in the deeper parts of the South. And, and I mean, hell, there are still parts of, of Texas where like they have slogans in small towns where you better not let the sun set on your black or brown ass here. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, I've, yeah. So to, to come, so to come to Colorado where they don't really understand racism because I mean, by the time everything kind of boomed out here, you know, obviously racism has never not been a thing. It's always been a thing, but it hasn't been as big as a grand scale because, I mean, we were still trying to get free on the East Coast by the time they, a lot of things were being established here. Um, and, of course, there were obviously um, some from Black people here as well, free slaves, which which was awesome because on my show when I first moved to Denver, like the whole month of February, that first year I lived here, I just featured all like this Black history that that is here in Denver, Colorado, that a lot of people don't know about. Um, things like that, um, had me actually see and seek out these different groups and actually find the community, um, which is what I'm getting to. Denver's, Denver's, as far as Denver is concerned with, with representation of POCs, it is, it's not as grand scale as being in the DMV area or being down in Houston. It is, it's a, it's a lot more reserved and i understand why now at first i was very upset like why is everything so secretive and and you never know when anything's happening until it's gone or or it's never really promoted on a big scale and after living here for a couple of years i realized like it's really hard to keep culture sacred here because a lot of the white people here don't understand how sacred and how how gentle it is to to people of color, because it's not even just the black people, even with um, the Latino community, even with the Asian community, even with the African communities here, they're still very segregated and closed off to really having a lot of outsiders in because it's this fear of like, hell, it's only a few of us now. We ain't trying to share nothing else with y'all asses. Like, you have enough. Um, And with all this, like all the protesting and everything that's been going on right now, it's actually been very beautiful to see like everyone waking up, like everyone actually realizing, like, stop saying, like, oh my God, in our in our city, in our town, because it 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 hurts. It hurts a lot of people feelings that you're so like you're so blind and so jaded that you could overlook the problems of others that you can even say something like that. Like, oh my God, not in our city. Yeah. So um, those three, those three cities are definitely very different, and they all have have taught me that I don't know that that we're all we're all extremely different, but we all still are very much connected in the same in wanting the basic foundations of wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard, wanting to be protected, and wanting to be valued.
0: Okay. I was just going to say, so do you see yourself staying in Denver long-term or do you want to go back to the South or back to the DMV? Kind of where do you see yourself in the next few years? Oh,
2: oh honey. I don't know. Um, I never really put a timeline on any place that I live because that's when I ended up, I'll end up like packing up and, and moving around again. I'm pretty much a minimalist also. So I don't carry a lot of, a lot of things with me. Um, but will Denver be my long term home? No, I do not see that. I don't see that. Nothing against it, but I don't see that about any any of the any of the places that I live. Like even though I'm from Richmond, Virginia, and I love my hometown, but I'm I I don't really see myself moving back. I'm just gonna kind of bounce around a, a, some more. And you know, right now, of course, I'm sitting still right now with Miss Rona still wilding out <laughs> there. Um, You know, she, she ain't, she said, no, no, you still, you sit put, you sit, sit still. So, um, so yeah, but I'll definitely be in Denver for, um, for a little while, for a couple of years, for sure. Much longer than I actually planned. I thought I would have been gone by now.
1: So. And what is it that you currently do in Denver? Like for, you know, you mentioned like school and moving to New York and whatnot. So do you have, you, you, I really like that you bring up this nomadic lifestyle. And I think that a lot of people our age are really interested in this idea of we don't have to set roots down in one place. So I really wanted to um, get a little bit more into like what you currently do and how you've been able to move from city to city. Yeah, of course. So I work in uh, media. um, So I do everything from videography,
2: editing and producing. Um, I do freelance work as well as work with a couple of uh, news stations here. Um, So you, you can definitely find ways to still work and still have the life that you desire. I also studied, I studied filming in school as well. So that helped as well. <laughs> but I mean, and it took me a while to actually get to this point because I was for a period of time working a lot of little um, office jobs here and there. Um, I did, I used to act way, way back in the day, back when I was younger. Ooh. That girl, mm-mm. No. no. Nah. <laughs> it's actually funny because <laughs> acting in my childhood, in my in my teen years actually gave me let me see that or give me a, a window into filming and videography. And I went from that to going into college and actually studying behind the camera versus in front of. So, um, yeah, I also write as well. Um, I freelance right? so I contract myself out to different online publications or even local um, publications as well. So that's also something to look into if you're also looking to for just a kind of a to be able to live nomadic and and work. You can look at online assistant. You can be an online executive assistant because honestly, everything is online anyway. You barely would see your boss. I mean, if you worked in an office, you would barely see your boss, and you're on the computer anyway. So you might as well be doing it from home. Um, yeah, use a lot of those creative content skills that you have and work turn flip them things into some cons into some some job applications
1: and, and get yourself some some pay so you can play. Just to to backtrack a little bit, you mentioned kind of that contrast between, you know, um, living on the East Coast and the West Coast. And I feel like, you know, on the East Coast, we're really focusing heavy on these monuments and getting those taken down and whatnot. So as an ally on the West Coast, what can people be doing um, to kind of have that same ripple effect? Because, you know, Confederate monuments are obviously very prevalent in the South and on the East Coast. So I was wondering from a West west coast perspective what can people be doing if they find themselves saying oh well like that's all in the south like that has nothing to do with here like you kind of mentioned like oh not in our city yeah um
2: i think honestly as far as the monuments they're they're only prevalent more so in the south or on the east coast so um what i would honestly suggest at this point if anyone is going to do anything um i definitely recommend that you please get involved with your local government um get please get involved with um, all these elections that are coming up. Lord knows, like this one coming up. Jesus, I thought last time was bad, but good Lord. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> please get involved with your local government, though, because those are the ones who are running your ass every single day. And if we are going to make a full ripple effect in this country, then we need to stand in solidarity and get all of the laws changed and get everything that is like, I even down to if you know you live in a town where like a, a school has a real fucked up name or it's in an area or something's going on. And you or like here he, even here in Denver, like, you know, it, it was it's just. They are finally going to rename this area that's in Denver, this area that's been named Stapleton. Stapleton is the name of a mayor who was here in Denver, like the first mayor of Denver. Yeah, but he also was like, like the, the whatever you call like the head poncho in charge of like the KKK members. Like he was also that guy. And it's also disturbing because Stapleton, like the the, the area, is predominantly like, Black and Latino families. So it's like, again, like these are things like if, so the, the, the those people in that area, and it was so crazy because you guys, like they recently had a vote last year. Last year, they went up and they were voting to get the name changed. And they, they rigged the voting system so bad that it was, you had to be a homeowner and it was only one vote per household. Most of the people in that area, most of the people in that area were again black and Latino. These are, this is an area that is that is heavily being gentrified. So these people wow. are still renting. And then the black families that do have homes there, it's only one vote per household. So you see what I'm saying? Like these are things that they are put in place. And now because of everything that is going on in the country, because everyone is in whatever way they can say mm-hmm. that, like the bullshit across the board has to change. Like, this goes deep. Like, if we're going to say we want this revolution, we want the change, then we need to do it. And since that happened then everyone got together and the ripple effect of the whole nation getting together will start to make everyone feel not so small anymore. And now they're going to change. They're finally going to name. They're going to change the name of this area because these people finally felt Mm -hmm. like, you know what? We do have a right. I don't give a shit if I'm not a homeowner. Like I live here. And I shouldn't have to do, I shouldn't have to have this plague over me. Like, so yeah, if, if, if whatever injustice you see in your town, you can change it. Like do not let these people in office fool you there. They are not set in stone. If we want them gone because they're not working for us, then we can do that. So yeah, it definitely starts within like do what you have to do to change your home. Because that that change like that, that
1: little bit is such a ripple effect that it actually it bleeds into all all these other areas. You have so much passion. I love it. And we know, um, you know, our listeners don't know yet, but you have your own podcast. So how how did that all come to be? How does this passion transcend into your own platform?
2: Oh my gosh. So comfortably excluded is my podcast and, and a whole bunch of mm, other I love it. It is it, it came after moving to um Denver, Colorado, and after being in this workspace and um and just just being in, in the space in general and, and realizing that I was for sure a diversity hire. Um was very apparent and also not knowing the communities in the area so i didn't even see people who looked like me either when i first moved here because i didn't know where to hang out or where to really like dig in i was so new and um and i i i initially just needed an outlet that's what comfortably sleep came from um it came from just needing an outlet and then as i kept speaking and talking to people about it i started to discover all of these beautiful creatives all of these beautiful Black and brown creatives in this city who are just like making things happen, whether it's in politics, whether it's in filming, whether it's in 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 music, writing, all of it. And I just started to say, you know what, I get tired of talking to friends back home and trying to explain to them that yes, black people do live here. <laughs> so then I started to, I also started to do some writing for a couple of publications. But I noticed a lot of the writing that I was doing and a lot of the writing I was looking at and a lot of the events that I was going to was all these white people speaking for these creatives of color or speaking about these creatives of color or showing off the work of these creatives of color. And I just got really irritated. And I was like, why am I looking at, why am I looking at or hearing all these white experiences but I'm not hearing from the actual artist or the creative or, or the expert? So then I decided to like essentially hand my platform over to these voices and let them tell their own stories and their own j- journeys and and say all the things that they wanted these publications to say. But they wanted to make they wanted to edit it to make it cute. And in between all of that, then I also talk my shit with, you know, my politics and my, and, you know, and my pop culture, because, again, your girl has layers. She can be passionate about she can be passionate about multiple things. OK, You can be very passionate about what's <laughs> going on with my with the laws and, my, and, and that's going on mm-hmm. right now that are possibly being passed and also being chopped up as we sleep and then just redisplayed like, oh, nothing happened. You know, like I can be very passionate about that. And I can also be extremely passionate about Karini needing the support that she need from her husband on 90 day <laughs> fiance. I can do that. I can be passionate about all these things. You brought this woman here. You knew she needed support. She barely speaks English. Don't be an a. and people have to understand that, especially as 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 young people and as as young people of color, especially as young black people, like we can
0: be passionate about multiple things at once. We have that right. I love it. I feel like that's how we are too. <laughs> And one thing that I'm sure you've been seeing on social media lately is people saying to amplify black voices and how important it is to highlight the work of creators of color and to you know actually make sure that their voices are being represented. Um, so kind of tying with that, how do you feel that we can keep this momentum up? How can we make sure that this converse, these conversations that are happening in society right now um, aren't just, you know, a, a trend or a fad or something that goes away after a few weeks or a few months? Like, what can we do? Or it can be Black ally- allies, white allies, we as people, what can we do to kind of keep the momentum up and keep the pressure on these people? I think what we're doing
2: right now,
0: if we keep this going and
2: keep it as as much as a conversation as possible and keep speaking and also have those have the uncomfortable moments of calling each other out on bullshit and being able to stand in and in, in admitting wrong, accepting it and moving on to growth and letting go of like these 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 moments or. or, or I don't know. I, I understand that guilt is a part of the package. I absolutely get it. But you have to push to move past that so we can do the work. So oohing and aahing away from it, it's just going to make it hurt even more. We have to lean into what is going on right now and constantly have these conversations. This should not absolutely be a one-time thing. I'm very happy that it's been officially a month now of nationwide protests. Like this is just, it makes my heart smile because now, like, this is serious because that then it becomes real to everyone if we're constantly doing it. So consistency. the same as we consistently put out episodes for these podcasts, we have to consistently elevate and amplify these voices and these stories. We have to constantly call people out when we have when we have those uncomfortable moments with that co-worker who seems cool. I mean, that's just one slip. no, that one slip elevates and it gets bigger and bigger. So, we have to be consistent in our actions, and we have to keep having these conversations. That's how it only—it's that's how it's going to stay real. That's how it's going to be authentic. Because yeah, oh, I'm I definitely feel where where that concerns come from, that concern come from, and I definitely keep my eye out for that. And the only way we can tell if it, if it's real or not is the consistency and holding each other and are more so ourselves accountable as that.
1: And you touched a little bit before on allyship in terms of getting involved, you know, in your local and statewide government, but do you have any other advice Mm -hmm. for people who um, might be overwhelmed and don't know where to start with allyship. Um, I, we've touched on this before, you know, in our episodes that it's not really up to black people to do the work. It's really up to white people because these are mistakes that we have continually made over and over and over again. Um, so instead of you know putting all of the pressure on black people and people of color, where can white people start just outside of you know local and statewide government? Absolutely. Um, you can start within your
2: own families and your fin- friend groups, honey. Start there. Like, and I even said it on on the, the latest episode of, of my podcast. Stop and and stop having these conversations of of arguing with friends and family members of why black lives matter. Because I'm gonna go ahead and let y'all know that I know my life matters. I know that, top and down, would write it in blood, honey. And whether you agree with it or not, y'all need to be having the conversations of how is it that we're allowed to have the conversation debating whether people, a whole group of people deserve to have a life or not. When you start having those conversations, that's when you can really get over, over the ooh, ah, and the bullshit. It's just to just say, like, yo, like, how is it that we get to sit around and dictate that a whole group of people, whether they right or wrong and feeling like their lives matter. Like, who are we? Who are we to even have this conversation? Like, no, seriously, who are we? It's kind of disgusting when you think about it.
1: It's privilege. It's so much privilege to even be able to sit there and have that conversation.
2: And have that conversation. Like you like to be a good ally, to be a good ally is to be to be as such, like not not just when your black friends or your black coworkers are around, but all the time. Just because you don't laugh at the joke does not mean you were not a part of it. Just because you don't feel the same way that your uncle and aunt feels, and you keep quiet about it, you're still a part of the problem. You're still a part of the problem. So yes, personally, I have no issues with losing people in my life who don't understand that it's human race first and that everybody deserves to feel needed, to feel valued, and to feel seen. If you don't feel that way, I don't care if you mama, I don't care if you daddy, I don't care if you grandma, I don't care if you grandpa, I don't care if you've been my best friend since hell. We took baths together as babies. I don't care. I'm going to check you on it And I'm gonna let you know that my boundary has been set. Your mindset is not one-on-one with me. And this is where we have to draw the line. Because there's no way, and I tell people, there's no way, if you're gonna be a white person who say that Mm -hmm. you love me, you care about me, you call me your friend, and you let all this behavior go unchecked or you're quiet about it. Just because you're quiet about it, that does not make me feel better. That does not make that makes me feel honestly worse because you're too much of a coward to even say how you really feel. At least they're at least they're bold enough to let it be known how they feel. You're a full coward. That you can't even you can't even you can't even speak up if that's how you really feel. So, yes, if 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 along with if with getting to your city councils, because you can go to your city council, you know, you can sign up and speak at your city councils. You can do that check out your local city see when your local city council are meeting and there should be on their website where you can sign up to speak and speak your grievance you put i mean we voted them people in office so they're going to hear me when i want to complain and yes and check in your family members and your friends when you see it when you see this injustice happen when you hear these jokes Mm. stop them tell them it's not okay And if they if they want to walk out of your life because of that, I mean, honestly, check yourself. Do you really want that type of person in your life? Because that speaks a lot about you as well.
1: You are the company you keep. I like that. And I actually you brought up like a really, really good point earlier. And I found this quote on Instagram, of course, because what else do I do with my time these days? Um, And it says you don't need to be extra nice to your three black friends. You need to be more vocal to your 300 ignorant white ones. And that just like really struck a chord with me, especially as a white person, because I was like, you know, of course I'm gonna be nice to my black friends. Like, they're my best friends. Like, it's more important that I check all of the white people in my life. And when I saw that, it was kind of like, I mean, stuff clicked a long time ago um, for me, but right there when I said that, I was like, dang, like that really does make sense. It really does make sense. So you have to be vocal yeah. to people who need to hear it, because we're not. Yeah, we know we're important. Like, like telling
2: us, like, I've, you know, like you're awesome. Like, that's great. Yeah, but we know that. So I need you to. I need you to be more vocal like that. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm not around, I, I've I've talked to friends where they've had instances where I had to like bring it to their realization, like. That's not right. Like when you tell me that this person that you're friends with has a has a separate group chat with you and another black friend of theirs because they know someone in the main group chat may say something a little iffy about black people. First off, why are you friends with that person? who has that, that mentality towards black people and you're okay with it. And your solution is not to get rid of that friend. Your solution is to segregate your black friends to, to, and I guess that, and it's okay. And in your, in, in your head, it's to protect them. That's not protecting anyone. You're protecting their racist. You're not protecting your black friends. You're protecting the races because you don't want to hurt their feelings because Something about them is a much, but it's a stronger bond that you don't want to lose.
0: And it is what it is. Let's just call a thing what it. Let's just call a thing a thing. Like it's. Hmm. I think it's really important that people are having like these realizations and kind of educating themselves. Now, you know, even though we've been saying the same exact thing for the past four hundred years, but you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Right, right. Um, And one of the things I've realized a lot of white people are starting to learn more about is intersectionality. And kind of with that, I wanted to ask you, um, as a member of the LGBTQ community and people starting to understand intersectionality and what that means, what would you say is one of the most impactful ways that people can be an ally, not only to the Black community, but also to the LGBTQ plus community?
2: Oh my gosh. Yes, intersectionality is 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 extremely real, and um, people are finally starting to realize that, especially people within those intersections. Um, I am I am a black, queer femme woman. Um, I am cisgender. Um, and it is, oh my God, it is such it is such a, a struggle. Uh, dealing with, uh, I mean, being queer, being black, and being woman. My God. Like, there's this podcast that I love to listen to, and this podcaster, and, like, she puts it so well, and it cracks me up. Like, like of all the... Like, y'all act like I chose this life. Of all the things in the world I could have chose to be, I said, let me go ahead, throw some gay on that shit, sprinkle in some black, and you know what? Let's just put a big old woman stamp on it. Let's just... Let's just go <laughs> ahead. Like let's just shake the pot up. Let's just make my life as difficult as possible. And and it's true because like maneuvering through all the avenues especially in in within the black community, like there's so there's 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 so much that needs to be worked on even within the black community that is just oh my God, it's exhausting. I'm gonna have to just do a whole podcast episode on it. I'm gonna get a lot of hate mail, but it, it's necessary. It's necessary. Um, but it's very hard because you have to maneuver. And a lot of people always, always, they're. it's still very, very important. And it's a huge part of me. And I don't, I don't like to choose. And that's why it's always been this argument for the longest time of like, um, you know, which what do you pick? Do you pick your black first or do you pick your sexuality first? This moment in time is very heartbreaking because I do. I have to choose being black first. I have to choose being black on top of being a first because, you know, like, obviously, you know, you're you're black first. Because that's the first thing that's like, ha-ta-da, in the room. Queer, I have to be, choose black on top of being a woman. Um, in the beginning, in the beginning of all of this. And I love... Boom, And then, then in the sexuality is something that everyone like likes to put it on the back burner. But but it's still that now we're moving into this space where we are definitely breaking off into letting it be known that I'm not just going to show up as a as being black. I'm going to show up in my full black female queerness, and it is going to be accepted full heartedly or it is or I'm or it's nothing at all. It is nothing at all. I will only I will only continue in this marathon if we all will realize that intersexuality is real and mm-hmm. to be a good ally to us POCs and especially us black Um, Within the gay queer community and the trans community, what we need more than anything, we need support and we need to be seen and heard just as much as these black men who are being slain. Because even black women are not being seen as much as we should, which is insane because we are the movement. Black
0: women are
2: everything. I mean that from my whole gut. Whether I was a black woman or not, there's no denying it. So, yes, if you really want to be a good ally, Mm. recognize that we are here. See us, support us, say our name. We are just as important. We are just as here. We always been here. It ain't like we've been showed, we we just showed up. As I tell a lot of my friends. Look around players. Where are your Becky's and your Maria's and your Kim Lee's? Where are they? No, it's Keisha on that front line with you. Recognize us. We are here. Black gays. Hell, there would be no protesting without the black
1: trans community. And to break that down a little bit, could you explain to our our audience where that comes from? That comes from Marsha,
2: like from the freaking Stonewall Riots. Black and brown trans women, thank them for your pride every month. White gays, thank them for your pride. There would be no pride without it. There would be no pride without black trans women. There would be nothing. A lot of this cute slang that's all out in the streets that the girls are using. comes from the beautiful the beautiful trans community that beautiful black trans community that is being plucked off of these streets like nothing and not even being mentioned if you want to be an ally do your research know your history and see all of us there is no division anymore we didn't play those games with trayvon we played those games with, with Castro we've played those games mm. so many times we're not doing it this time I understand it hurts I understand white people or non-black pocs I understand it's oh it's so tiring it's so tiring I think I saw like an article that was going around on Twitter about mm. about white about white ally fatigue and I'm just like saying oh honey you one your moment this
1: moment imagine mm. how black people feel every single day this moment that's it's not tiring. It's not tiring. That's the thing is that I have I have such an issue. I have such an issue with like just people like saying that right now like, oh, I'm so tired. I can't get on social media. I'm so tired. I'm like, t- tired of what? I'm
2: so tired. I'm so tired. No, I know honestly, if you ain't. Black, black people are the only people I take I'm tired from. And when I hear I'm tired, I'm like, take your time. Take a couple of days off, log off, take some self-care, get your little nails done, have a little, good little meal, have a little drink, take your time because you deserve. That's why I tell, I even down to my parents, I let mm. them know. Like even my, my younger siblings, I let them know, like you don't burn yourself out because honestly, at the end of the day, this is what white, white people need to be doing the most of the legwork. This is their legwork. <laughs> we have been a victim. We have been a victim to all of this. This is their legwork because also they don't see and hear us. So, yeah, no. Take, like, honey, all the black people out there, please do your self care. If you are trying to figure out how you're going to keep moving through this movement, mm-hmm. do your self care. Take the time off that you need. I promise you, because I ain't gonna lie, I'm one of those people. Especially in the beginning, I was on myself hard, like I was burning myself out. But I was like, if I take a moment off, I'm about, then then some, you know, I feel like I'm I'm being inactive. I don't feel mm-hmm. like I'm being a good a good black person in this movement. But no, it is okay because sweeties, y'all are no good to anyone. You can't pour anything into mm-hmm. anyone if you are not pouring into yourself. So I highly recommend. Logging off. Watch a little trash TV. Take a little bubble bath. <laughs> relax yourself. <laughs> Catch up on your little funny memes. De- just detach for a while. Get yourself more, get yourself rejuvenated because I pr- there's nothing is going to stop anytime soon. This is a, this is going to be a long, a long race, y'all. This is not going to end tomorrow. It ain't going to end next week. It ain't going to end next month. And honestly, I'm hoping that it goes all the way until we get some supreme changes happening. So definitely take a break. Even the allies, <laughs> I understand, like, ain't nobody working around the clock. Take your breaks,
1: please. But don't cry don't yes, about it, okay? That's all I'm saying. Just shut the hell up. If I hear one more white person say they're tired, I'm just going to start sending cases of Red Bull to people. Right. Drink up then. <laughs>
2: like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I understand, yes, you can't work around the clock. So definitely take your break. But don't tell nobody. Keep your mouth shut. Just take your little break, and then pop back in. Shut the hell up. <laughs> don't be writing think pieces. Don't be calling BuzzFeed asking article, can you get your article published by how tired you are. No. This is not, and I have I posted on all my social media. I need y'all. I need whites and non-black POCs to understand. This is not America's greatest ally race. That's not what this is. Ain't nobody gonna get no motherfucking award for being the best ally, because if you're waiting for pets on the back, you already you already doing it wrong. Because I ain't gonna pat nobody on the back. You should have mm. been doing this shit. And every time I hear anyone say anything on the borderlines of, I can't believe this is happening. I'm going to just punch you in your face because there is no real <laughs> world that you that's live gonna in strike this a court with some people of the United States. <laughs> and you have not, read. you have not, and you mean to tell me you have not understand there's a, there's a racial divide here. So get off that shit. Don't, don't stop saying that because that's you just trying to unload your white guilt. And I'm not a one-play person you can unload it on. That's not what this time is for. If you're going to be an ally, shut the hell up and do the work you need to do. And don't keep talking over people. Let am- Amplify the voices, give spaces, and pay Black cr- content makers, please. Support. Tell your friends. Y'all can share all the craziest, dumbest damn TikToks in the world. You can share, you can share your Black friends link. Yes. You're exactly what we needed on this episode. (laughs) Honey, you can do all that. You can share your, you can share your one black friends business link. You can share that.
1: Which is free. It's free. It's free to do that. You don't want to spend no money. Which is free. Which is free. I think we need a corner on this podcast called Monty's Corner because you are just, I love you. You are just great.
0: (laughs) Monty, you're clearly so passionate about social justice and inclusivity. and I was wondering where do you draw your inspiration for, for your filmmaking and your writing? Is it like from your own lived experiences or just what what you see in the world or how you navigate in the world? or where do you kind of draw that inspiration from?
2: Oh my gosh, it's kind of it's kind of a little column A column B. Um, my experience um, or or in sense, my lack of experience. And, and watching the world around me, um, feeling majority of my life that I had to be quiet and and play in certain boxes um, definitely inspire me today to to be more vocal, um, thinking about what I used to be like and how how I was I was just trying to play by the rules, hoping that playing by the rules will, will get me all the things that that I am. I, I was I was told what happened if you play by the rules, not understanding that, again, those rules were not set up for someone like me to necessarily win straight out of the gate. Um, so so that is that that keeps me going. Um, But definitely the world around me, um, the world around me, for sure, everything that goes on everywhere I lived, I've been active in some way or another. I don't really consider myself an activist or anything. Again, I just consider myself as a platform or a vessel. Like any way I can be useful of getting the word out or letting things be known because being, you know, sitting in the dark or not being included in things is such, it, it's it's stifling. And I, I just wanna make everyone around me always feel like there is possibility in whatever you're trying to accomplish. Like the system is set up to make us feel like we are never going to win or it's not worth trying, but they do that on purpose because they know like we're already gonna be kind of defeated anyway to try. So if I can help car, like break down some of those barriers to make it feel more approachable because I want as many radical people out here about things as possible. Because humanity, I'm very, I'm such an empath and humanity and, and the direction that we're going is insane. And and it's crazy. I had a friend say to me last night, like um, she was like, it's kind of sad to think about. And it gets kind of depressing and it feels kind of hopeless at moments because you realize we live in a country where they don't care when children get shot up. So why would they care about justice for us? And it was very heartbreaking to hear that. And it's very true. Like we live in a country where this is the longest we've gone without a school shooting or a mass shooting in general. This is the longest we've gone. And that's only because of the pandemic. How insane is that? It's only because we're not even in school. Yeah, that's it. We live in a country where we don't even value children. We don't even value like Mm. the innocence of children. So, yeah, these are things that we have to think about and we look at. And those are those are the things having these conversations with friends, with with people that I'm networking with influence me to keep me going. Because I'm like, if you feel that way, I, sh- I know other people feel that way. And you've got me thinking like, damn, like that's a fuck up. That, that's, that's real fuck up to really think about. Like and it does feel hopeless because if they don't even care about their own, who are we to them at this point? So, yeah, just just the fight, just trying to constantly keep the conversations going is is what it mm-hmm. what what keeps me going and what Im- influences me and inspires me to do the work that I do.
1: Um, and so before we move into our tangible takeaway uh, segment, I also wanted to bring up. We are big proponents of donations and donating with your dollars. And so being that this episode is going to go live on the last day of Pride Month, which Pride Month does not end just because June is ending. It is a year-round thing, as is, you know, Black history. No, girl. gay all year round. <laughs> yes, right on your I just <laughs> personally speaking, do you have any LGBTQ plus organizations that come to mind specifically that our listeners could donate to? Um, you know, if they're able to, um, you know, just to make sure that we're not just speaking our allyship, but we're actually showing up for it as well. Absolutely. Um, I honestly recommend
2: um going to the um LGBTQIA um database. Because honestly, more local, um, more local donations are needed because everyone's giving more to the bigger foundations, and they're not really distributing to the smaller areas. And um, whether you know it or not, homelessness is insanely rapid in every one city. So if you could please go to um, the LGBTQ. Um, IA plus and trans um, organization database and they have everything listed for your nearest city or your nearest town. Of course, not everyone has them. So, but if you could donate to the nearest to you, that would be great. Um, but yeah, cause I've been doing a lot of research on that and how, like a how the money's being distributed and how a lot more local donations are needed more than anything. So please, please, please help and try to do as much as you can for that. And of course, still donating to close ones you know i know y'all love going to them drag brunches and shit so tip for real and stop playing games acting (laughs) foolish. just stop acting
1: well we will (laughs) we'll leave that um database so that people can access it quickly but for those who might be unfamiliar with our podcast at the end we do what's called a tangible takeaway which is basically just some parting advice that you would like to, you know, instill within our listeners. It can be literally about anything, whether what we talked about or just something that's been on your mind. You're a very passionate and creative person. So what is your tangible takeaway for our listeners today? Um,
2: My tangible takeaway for your listeners are, um, is mostly most important, especially right now, whether you are active all the time or whether you are working or not working, I ask that everyone, please, please, please take moments to do self-care. And I'm not talking just, you know, cruising and and purchasing things on amazon.com. I know, you know, that is a lot of people's self-care, but please also pour back into yourself, get into some kind of reading and journaling or exercising Um, something that actually works out your spirit and your mind. That's what I definitely recommend for everyone because that is going to keep you going in the long run. It's also going to keep you going through this pandemic that is still out there. Um, That's another tangible. Please keep wearing your mask, even if you feel like it's pointless. Do it for other people. Give a shit about somebody. Do it for other people, even if you don't care about doing it for yourself. And when you wear the mask, don't just wear it over your mouth. Put your nose in
0: it, too. Please, and those those are just my. Tidbits. Thank you so much, Monty, for coming on today. You are so passionate, and we definitely need to have you come back on in the future. This was definitely one of our my favorite conversations that we've had with the guests. You just we just all vibe so well, and i I really enjoyed it today. So thank you. I definitely do. Thank you. We definitely got to do a swap. Y'all got to come on
2: Comfortably Excluded. Then we can play some games and get in the petty corner. (laughs)
0: Yes! I'm trying to get in the
2: petty corner. (laughs) Girl, it's the first time. Most people that show up for my show is like, do we get to the petty corner yet? I'm like, I'm just doing the intro. Yes. We we got a whole show to get through first. But yes, this was awesome. Thank you all so much for having me on. I... I, I love that you're having these conversations at my heart. When I saw the posting, I was just like, oh, yes, finally, someone wants to actually talk about intersectionality and how how to still be active and how to still be supportive. Um, but again, I, and I want to just reiterate, like research, 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 research. Please know what you're talking about. Please know um, these people before you approach these groups and things like that. But yeah, thank you so much for, I, I'd love this. This was awesome.
1: And we're gonna leave all of your information, you know, website, podcast, all of your freelance work, everything that you're doing right now into the show notes that people can check you out and learn more about you and jump on the wave of everything that you're doing. I can't even say just one thing because you're doing so many things. (laughs)
0: Amazing. It's so amazing. Yes.
1: (laughs) All right, thank you, Monty. Thank you thank you
0: so much. All right, you all. Well, that is a wrap on today's episode. We are so excited that we got to have Monty on for this important conversation. Um, As always, we will leave everything that we talked about linked below in the show notes. If you are able to donate to any of the LGBTQ plus organizations that we have linked below, there's a resource for that. We also have Monty's social medias linked down below. And as always, make sure you're following us at Not Your Average BS on Instagram. Request to join our Facebook group. And until next time. That's to the yes.